Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new and settling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. So this happened when I was 14. I'm 29 at the time of writing this. I remember this story from time to time, meaning like once or twice every few years. And it never fails to put me in a weird mood for some reason. I was walking with one of my friends in the city the other day, and a group of kids skateboard past us. Lo and behold, that was the thing that sparked this memory. I figured I'd write it down, and then share it with you all. I'm not going to use this kid's real name, so I'll just call him Vinny. I come from a town where the people you went to school with in kindergarten were the same kids you graduated with. Vinny moved to our school about halfway through the year. When new kids came to our school, everybody flocked to them. At 14, I was admittedly kind of a dork, but also somewhat of a douche, which made me surprisingly likable to most people. Vinny would always sit by himself during lunch, minding his business, not messing with anybody. But something that I found amusing about him was that he would get absolutely infuriated if people asked him if he skated. I took that as a challenge to try and piss him off, and you know it worked. The first time he and I had class together, I remember the teacher asking him if he had his books yet. He responded with, my wife never confirmed my school schedule with the front office. I remember everybody thought that it was funny. You're 14 years old, and you have a wife? He was clearly trying to get one over on the teacher. My friends and I were skating after school that day, and we saw Vinny. I remember talking to my friends about what he said and we all became oddly infatuated with the kid. It took some doing, but after about a week of letting him hang out with us, he became one of the boys. One of my buddies asked if we could go sleep at his house on Friday night, knowing that that's just what we did at that age. We took turns staying at each other's houses to skate, play video games, and smoke the green stuff. Vinny looked perturbed, which is something I wish mattered to me back then, but the next day at school, he said that it was okay after asking his parents. My buddies and I rode our bikes to where he lived, with clothes for the night, and our skateboards strapped to our bags. We met his family, who at face value seemed completely okay. But then, things got a little weird. First off, his dad had a huge weapons collection. At the time, I thought it was awesome. He even took us out into a field by a canal to shoot some of his assault rifles. I know now that that wasn't cool of him, especially without our parents' consent. But next, we met Vinny's wife. Yeah, the girl was real. She was also 26. While we lived in the southern US, even there this was taboo. They would hold hands and stuff, and at the time, we all thought it was dope. It was like dating a senior when you're a freshman, only he was in high school and she paid taxes. Things kind of got to a new level of weird when Vinny's dad had his arm around Vinny's mom and his other arm around a girl that couldn't have been terribly older than we were at the time. Apparently, that was also his wife. We then spent about two hours praying with the family in the living room. I was raised Catholic but couldn't determine which religion they were practicing. Once we finished with prayer, we went outside to start skateboarding. 
After a few minutes, his dad came outside in a huff and ordered us back into the house. Vinny's mother then had us stand in line outside of the bathroom to take a bath. It still skeeves me out, but I remember we weren't allowed to drain the water from the tub, and I was the last one to bathe. Also, all of the mirrors in the house were covered with sheets. I don't know the significance of this, but it just makes more sense to me to not even have mirrors at that point. We were told to go to bed, even though the sun wasn't even down yet. Vinny went to bed with his wife. The three of us that remained just laid there in one single queen-sized bed and talked about how much fun we weren't having. The final straw for the night was having to hear Vinny's parents, and maybe the other woman, doing the dirty in the next room over. It was nearly 11 p.m. when we decided to just get on our bikes and leave. It was dark and we had to ride through some bad neighborhoods, but we made it safely to my buddy's house. Vinny's mother would eventually call our parents later and leave some cryptic messages, something that implied that there had been some trouble. Vinny was pulled from school about a week later and we just never saw him again. I don't know what that family was into. Maybe he wasn't creepy at all and I just didn't understand. All I know is that we felt massively uncomfortable. I have no issues with religion, but if this was part of their practice, I do think it's a little weird. Out of curiosity, I went to find Vinny on Facebook, and all I can confirm is that he, his mother, father, and one of his sisters had died. There were no public records of what happened to them, or if they even died at the same time. I'll admit, this is probably not the creepiest story out there, but it's one that I still come back to. It's worth the tell, and it's for sure an interesting memory at the very least. To set the stage for this story, we must go back to the far-off year of 1988. The location is the Cascade Mountains of Oregon. I was 10 years old, and with me was my mom, dad, best friend, and our golden retriever, Amber. We were very much an outdoor family, and had many camping trips before this and since. But to this day, when I think about it, I still remember the terror I felt that weekend so long ago. After a brief talk with my father recently, it kind of came back to the front of my mind. He was also able to fill in a few details that I had forgotten. This holiday was like many others. We packed up the station wagon with everything we would need for a hike into one of our favorite lakes to camp at. To make this trip even more exciting for me was the fact that it was my birthday weekend and I got to pick this lake. After we arrived at the trailhead and got our packs on, my dad got his sidearm out and strapped it onto his belt. In Oregon, open carry was permitted in national forests, and my dad always had a gun on his hip while in the woods, which always added a sense of security. We had a close call with a bear one time in which it came in handy. The lake is about a four mile moderate hike through some thick forest, but the trail itself was well maintained and was never very busy, so it was going to be a very pleasant hike in. We started off on our hike, and back in the 80s, it was not so uncommon to have your dog off-leash on the trails in the forest. So we let Amber run and do her thing. She was a good dog and never ran off too far or too long or jumped on people. She did love people though. And speaking of people, we had not seen anyone else on the trail after about two miles in on the hike. 
which was nice since it was just all of us talking, laughing, and enjoying nature. My best friend and I started a hike ahead of everyone else because we were so energized and excited about finding the first and best tent spot once we got to the lake. Amber was bounding ahead of us and having a great time too. We were about 20 yards ahead of my parents when Amber stopped dead in her tracks. I thought she maybe saw a chipmunk or something, maybe a bird. But her hackle shot up, and she began letting out the lowest hum of a growl I've ever heard. She never growls, so we stopped walking, and I thought maybe a bear or a deer or something was just off the trail, and she had seen or heard it. We immediately started walking backwards, and my parents caught up to us. My dad asked us what was going on. I told him that Amber is up the trail and is growling at something. He tells his girls to stay back with my mom, and he walks ahead to where Amber was at on the trail. My dad gets up to her and looks around. I hear Amber whimper a bit while looking off the trail. My dad gets her to settle and calls her back and walks back to us. He says it must have been an animal, but he didn't see anything right off the trail or ahead of us. He says to let him take the lead, and we continue our hike. It didn't take long before it was forgotten, and Amber and the rest of us were all back to having a good time again. We arrived at the lake, and much to my delight, there was no one else there camping. The water was clean and blue, and the shade from the trees made the whole scene just perfect. My friend and I found the best spot to set up our tents, and my parents followed suit. After we had camp set up, my folks went off to fish just down the hill, and my friend and I took off with Amber to walk around to the other side of the lake to catch salamanders. We only made it about an eighth of a mile when Amber stopped and began to growl again. We stopped and looked around and heard brush rustling. Then, right in front of us, a man just walked out of the trees. Amber stayed right by our sides and started to bare her teeth. He was taller than my dad, so at least six foot four, very skinny, but he had very broad shoulders. He was clean cut and was wearing black jeans and a white polo shirt with loafers. I mean, he didn't look like he had hiked at all or was even dressed for the outdoors. He almost looked like he came out of church. We just stood there trying to process this situation when Amber began to bark. The guy just stood there, not moving, and then he smiled. Like, the creepiest, off-putting smile you can think of. It felt like someone who thought that was what a smile was supposed to look like, but it just felt off. Amber kept barking, and this got my parents' attention, so they looked up to us and called out for us to come back. We complied and started to walk back towards them. My dad met us halfway and told us to go back to the campsite, and then he was heading to talk to this guy. We got back to our camp, and my mom sat with us. I could hear my dad asking if the guy needed help, or was he a fellow camper who had just set up camp away from the lake? My dad was being polite and calm, but I could see he was on guard and trying to feel out the situation. Now is a good time to mention that my dad was ex-army, and he can be very intimidating when needed. The conversation continued. The guy told my dad he was just on a walk and did not mean to intrude on us. The man then says goodbye and walks right back into the woods. My dad strolls back to the camp, sits down, and told us that he thinks that the guy may just be a yuppie camper and doesn't know much about the outdoors. But my dad said that he got a weird vibe off of him. 
and would be keeping an eye out for him the rest of our stay. Amber stayed by our side and was now calm, yet she kept looking towards the direction that the guy went off in. A bit more time goes by, and we have a nice campfire going as the sun began to set. We cook some dinner. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And made s'mores afterwards. My friend and I decided to go to our tent and read some books, maybe tell each other some scary stories I can't remember. Amber followed us to the tent and laid right outside the door. My parents walked down to the lake to sit, have a beer, and just chill. They were never more than 50 yards away from us. But not long after my parents walked away, I hear Amber start to growl. Then we hear footsteps coming from the woods behind our tent. My friend and I turn off our flashlight and go quiet to listen. The footsteps stopped at the edge of the woods. We then hear heavy breathing and a grunting sound. Amber starts to bark, and we then hear the footsteps retreat back to the woods. Amber whimpers a bit, and then I hear my parents walking back to the camp. I go out to tell them what happened. My dad said that he heard Amber barking, and that's why they came back up. I asked my dad what we should do. What is going on, and if that strange guy was the one creeping around? He tells me that he will see about moving camp in the morning, since we still have three days left on the trip. And nothing has happened to warrant just leaving, but he said that we will play it by ear, and just be a little more vigilant. But if something changes, then we'll decide what to do next. He tells us to try to get some sleep, and we all turn in for the night. The next morning, we get up and have breakfast. After breakfast, we head down to the lake to fish. It was an absolutely beautiful day, and we were having so much fun that the events from the prior day were all but forgotten. We decided around lunchtime that we would go for a short hike to the waterfall that is up from the lake. We were gone for maybe an hour, and then we came back. But we found our tents opened, and our sleeping bags drug out on the ground. My dad tells us to hang back with mom, and he heads forward to investigate. He comes back and says nothing was missing, but it was not an animal that did this. He says we should break camp, hike back to the car, and find another spot to camp for the next couple of days. I could tell my dad was not wanting to frighten us, but I heard the urgency in his voice. I was very disappointed, but if it meant we could enjoy the rest of the trip and not worry about some creep messing with us, then it was worth it. We broke camp and started our hike back. Dad was in the lead and we were double-timing it. Made it back to the car in record time. As we walk over to the car, we see that one of our tires was flat. Not a big deal, we always had a spare. But when my dad bent down to start taking the lugs off, it was not just flat, but someone had slashed the tire. Dad changed the tire in record time, and we threw everything into the car. And he goes to turn the car on, but it wouldn't start. Dad hops out of the car, pops the hood to investigate. That's when we hear him say, Shit. Turns out that our spark plug wires were missing. Old cars like that Chevy wagon did not have internal hood releases. You could just pop the hood from the outside. 
Dad slams the hood down, says some very colorful words, and kicks some rocks. We were stuck out there, and no one else was at the trailhead. We were officially stranded. My parents are calm under pressure, and after a few minutes of discussion, it was decided that Dad would start walking down the road until he could hitch a ride to town and head to the auto parts store. Mom and the rest of us were going to wait with the car and look for someone to hopefully pull into the trailhead and help us. A few hours go by, and no one has come up the trailhead. It's getting hot, and we're all hungry and tired. My mom makes us some lunch, and we go to sit under a tree to cool off. Amber's by our side, and calm. But then we hear a voice. Amber leaps up and starts to whimper. It's the creepy guy from yesterday coming down the trail, and he's asking my mom if we need help. My mom tells him that we're fine, that it's being settled by my dad and he'll be back soon. This creep then tells her that his camp is close, and he is parked on the old fire road that is near the lake, and asks us if we would like to come back to his camp and wait until my dad returns. Mom sternly tells him no, that we'll just wait for him here. Thank you anyway, though. He doesn't like this. He tells my mom that it's not safe out here for a pretty lady and two young girls. My mom, like my dad, is no pushover and asserts herself again that we don't need any help and to please just leave us alone. The guy just stands there, smiles wide, and then turns around and leaves. My mom is visibly shaken by this, and us girls are just a bit scared too. My mom comes over to us and tells us that we need to stay close, do not wander, and that we'll be okay. My friend and I are really kind of freaked out and are just hoping that my dad will make it back soon. After about another 30 minutes, the creepy guy comes back again. This time though, he's not alone and has a slightly younger guy with him. The other guy is dressed as a yuppie camper and had a very stern look on his face. My mother stands her ground as they approach. Amber starts to low growl and her hackles go right up. The two guys flank us and one of them flashes a gun tucked into his belt. The older guy tells us that we need to go with them and that they're not asking. My mom backs up next to us and without taking her eyes off them, reaches to her belt and pulls out her bowie knife. My mom said we will not be going and that they need to leave now. The two men didn't even flinch at this and said that we will come with them or they'll have to hurt us. At this moment though, Amber goes from just growling to barking and puts herself between us and them. This makes the guys stop. My mom yells that they need to leave now. They start backing up, and at that moment we hear a truck pulling into the trailhead parking lot. At the sight of the truck, the guys begin to walk away fast and disappear right into the tree line. The truck was a forest ranger, and he had my dad with him. My dad jumped out of the truck and ran over to us, asking if we were okay. The ranger came with him and inquired as to who those men were. My mom explained everything while my dad hugged us girls and told us that we were okay. That's when the ranger took off to go looking for those guys. My dad tells us that he was about five miles from town when the ranger picked him up and took him the rest of the way to get the part for the car, before hanging around and giving my dad a return trip to us and the car. After hearing what happened, my dad was pissed and wanted to find the guys who had tried to kidnap us that had been terrorizing us for the past 24 hours. The ranger came back and told us that he had almost caught up with them, but they sped away in their truck with a camper in tow. They had been parked behind a small ridge behind the lake 
on an old logging road. He wasn't able to get their plate, but he radioed a description of the men in their truck to the local sheriff's office. He also took down our information and said he would pass it on to them. The ranger waited with us until dad had the car fixed and we were able to leave. We decided to not continue camping and instead drive a couple of hours to spend the last two days of the trip at the beach and stay in a hotel. A few days later, a deputy called my dad and told him they never did find those men. He said that it was most likely a crime of opportunity after seeing a woman with two girls in tow. He was sure they had been watching us from off the trail and had messed with our camp to judge how my dad would react. When my dad seemed to be too big of a threat, they sabotaged our car hoping to put us in a position where we would be vulnerable. The deputy said they would follow up with us if they find out anything else. But according to my dad, nothing ever came of it. Years later, I tried to do some research on crimes in that area of Oregon during the 80s that might have involved something like we experienced. All I could find was a few reports of campers being robbed and a few cars broken into. There was one case of a young lady and her dog going missing from an area near there, but it was never determined what had happened to her, or even if it was something bad, or she just ran away. I can tell you that we did go back to that lake a few years later, and had a very uneventful camping trip. It was nice to go back and find some joy in a spot that was oh so special to me. I really hope those creepy guys never hurt anyone, and maybe they were caught for other crimes. I'll never know though. I just hope to never run into a situation like that again. I can say that having a dog along with us helped our situation. She was the hero and kept us alert. Amber went on to live until she was 12 years old and passed with her favorite people around her. Remember to stay safe, stay watchful, and it never hurts to have a sweet, brave dog with you. Here's a bit of relevant context for this story. I grew up about 15 miles outside of downtown Portland in a semi-rural area. We lived on a windy country road in the hills where the homes were spread quite a distance apart. Our closest neighbor was maybe a 10 minute walk away. Our house was set back off the road and had a gravel driveway that took a sharp turn so you couldn't see the house from the road and vice versa. One warm spring day when I was about 10, I was riding the bus home from school. As the bus squeaked to a stop at my driveway, I looked out the window to my left and saw a man in a gray pickup truck idling alongside the road. I remember that both the truck and the man looked weathered and unfamiliar to me. He had parked his truck perpendicular to my driveway, almost blocking it. Being so young, I thought nothing of it. But when I got to the front of the bus, the driver held her arm out blocking me from going any further. Do you recognize that truck or that man? I told her no. At that point, she opened her sliding window and motioned for him to move it along. He looked right back at her and then looked back ahead and didn't move. He wasn't looking at a map or anything, just sitting there. The bus driver then got on the intercom and told him that he needed to move, but he continued to do his best to ignore her, all the while staying put. Then she said, Sir, you best move along. I'm not going anywhere until you're out of here. This must have been the final straw for him. He finally left, and after a few minutes the bus driver let me out, and she said she would wait several more minutes for me to get up the driveway and into my house. 
I told my mom what happened as soon as I got home, and the next morning she came with me to catch the bus, and to thank the bus driver. I believe she gave her some sort of gift, but I'm not exactly sure. After that incident, my mom and stepdad hollowed out a section of the trees at the end of our driveway as a hiding spot. In that spot, my siblings and I could watch the road while waiting for the bus in the mornings while nobody else could see us. Anyway, this incident gives me chills when I think back. If my bus driver hadn't been so vigilant in looking out for me, and if that man in the pickup had been up to no good, I would have walked right into whatever he had planned. Right after my driveway, there is a sharp turn and a steep downhill, and the bus would have been out of sight within seconds. No doubt, there would have been no witnesses to whatever that man had plotted. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.